You're listening to a sermon preached at Meridian Church. For more information about Meridian Church, visit meridianchurch.com. It is our hope that this sermon is used by the Holy Spirit to minister to you the grace and peace found in Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And now, here's your sermon audio. Uh, I am not joking. Good morning, by the way, to everyone. I am not joking when I say this, and you can ask my family because they were all in the room when I said it. My phone had been charging in another room. By 8 o'clock this morning, I, I say, well, I need to go check my phone, make sure that I'm not preaching or laying sing, singing this morning. And I go check my phone, and I'm preaching this morning. So uh, if you've ever wondered what a first draft of a sermon sounds like, you're in luck this morning. Uh, so... <laughs> but I had, I had been working on something, and so uh, I had about two hours to try to, to uh, finish up, come with something, some semblance of organization, so please have, bear with me uh, this morning. This morning we will be in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 41. And this morning, I would like to talk about how a God-fearing people have nothing to fear. So let's begin in Isaiah chapter 41, beginning in verse 1, and we will continue through verse 20. Listen to me in silence, O coastland. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach them, let them approach, then let them speak. Let us uh, together draw near the judgment. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets its every step? He, uh, he gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely. By paths his feet have not trod. He who who has performed and done this, call on the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first, am with the last, I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his neighbor and says to his brother, be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, uh, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good, and they, and they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you, and and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be nothing, as nothing at all. For I, Yahweh your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, 
Fear not, I am the one who helps. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I make you uh, of a a threshing fledge, uh, new and sharp and having teeth. You shall thresh the mountains and crush them, and you shall make the hills like chaff. You shall winnow them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the tempest shall scatter them. And you shall rejoice in the Lord, in the Holy One of Israel. You, uh, in the Holy One of Israel, you shall glory. When when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and there is tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valley. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put them in the wilderness, the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together, that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. Uh, Father, it's time to come again to look at your word. And uh, Father, Lord, we just help us to realize uh, that with all these things that are going on around us, Father, we do not have reason to fear if we fear you. Thank you so much for your love. We pray that you'll be with us this morning and uh, just uh, be, and that you will be glorified and, pl- and pleased with what you hear in worship this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, in this day and age, uh, fear abounds. Uh, despite all the advances in science and medicine and technology and quote unquote the evolution of man, fear of the unknown is just as prevalent now as it was in biblical times. Many people fear the Unknown to some extent, uh, we like the security of, of routine and, and predictability. I like getting up uh, early uh, in the morning, uh, about two hours before everybody else gets up. I like to, the first hour I, I spend reading my Bible and two books that I'm working on. The second hour, I like to watch television. And uh, it's just, um, you know, so I do that every day. And there's, there's comfort in that. Uh, for all the decisions I have to make on a daily basis, there is a comfort in the routine. You know, fear comes calling when there is a decision to be made when there is an unknown outcome. 99.9% of the time, I don't use family as sermon illustrations. I just prefer not to. Uh, I don't mind making self-deprecating stories about myself to the point. But, uh, but this, however, I think is appropriate, especially since I've shared, I've shared it with Life Group before. And that is this. My wife is brutally honest with me. And if she doesn't think that I'm capable of doing something I'm considering, she'll just flat out tell me, I don't think you can do it. And uh, the vast majority of the time, she is right. And uh, it's, it's humbling for sure. But this, I know that when she tells me she thinks 
that I can do something, it gives me a confidence boost that I, that I have going into an unknown outcome. You know, when it comes to God, however, I know that I might know, that I might not know the outcome, but He does. Regardless of the outcome is, is good or bad from, from my point of view, I can rest in the knowledge that God is doing everything for His glory. Fear is used a, di- a different co- a di- a, 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 fear is used a couple of different ways in Scripture. One of the ways is the way I just described, fear of the unknown. We see examples of this throughout Scripture. One uh, glaring example is, of course, that comes to mind is the Exodus. Uh, they uh, grumbled, you know, despite all the things that they had seen God do, they still had a fear of the unknown and requested to go back to the familiarity of slavery because then they knew what was going to happen, what would be expected of them. They preferred slavery of the known over the the, the freedom or, or, or of God uh, leading them away from bondage of, that, of the unknown. And uh, so uh, sometimes the fear, it is the fear of man, what man may do to us. It might be a physical fear. Well, he's going to beat me up. It might be a fear of job security. Well, if I don't, you know, if I don't do what the boss tells me to, even though it might be a little bit unethical, I might lose my job. You know, and I, I can't afford to lose my job. You know, or maybe some type of, of social fear. You know, well, you know, if, if, I, if I do this, you know, they're going to, people will make fun of me or, or whatever, I'll get on social media and, you know, and, the people try to shame me and all these other things, you know. So there's a fear, and there's also a fear of finding yourself in a tight spot with no easy solution. And then there is the fear of God. What is the fear of God? Well, it may be like the fear we have, uh, we have been talking about, like where a man might be scared of God, but a biblical fear so defined in the MacArthur Study Bible is the all is to be in all of his greatness and glory. Now, most believers will think that, yeah, if you've been a believer for a while, you say, well, that's a good definition. That's what I've always assumed that it meant. And but there's also a second def, uh, um, definition listed, and is the dread of the results of violating that holy nature which we will see some examples of here later on. Uh, to, to go back to the um, passage of, of Scripture, we see how, uh, at the, you know, what is going on here. We're getting in verse 1. Um, this is a time of encouragement that God has given to the nation of Israel. 
And uh, he's saying, you know, they are in captivity by Babylon. And um, they may not see any hope from their perspective of this ever ending. But Isaiah here is, is, is uh, you know, God is speaking through Isaiah here. And he's telling them that, yes, you will be saved. And, uh, you know, he says, verse 2, who stirred, up, who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? Now, that's Persia was on the verge of coming in and overtaking Babylon. And it was under Persian rule that they, the remnant, would kind of start of going back uh, to Israel. But notice here it says, Who served one from the east, whom victory meets at every step. This is saying the king of Persia, he was not a godly man. He was an idol worshiper. But yet he had no problems as he made this swath through the Babylonian empire. He met very little resistance. Why? Because God had ordained this. God was sovereign. It wasn't his idol God that had let him go through this uh, battle, through this war with ease. It was the God uh, of Jacob that had caused this. And he says there, you know, it, it goes... Um, on to explain, you know, he, he gives up nations before him he, so, so, that the, so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like German stubble with his bow. And then verse 3, he pursues them and passes on safely by pass his feet have not trod. So not only was he making an easy path through these battles where he went in victory after victory, he was doing so in unfamiliar territory. He did not know what the landscape looked like. The Babylonians would. This was their land. They knew every nook and cranny of it. They knew what lied beyond the hills. But even so, with this, the Persians didn't know, but it didn't make any difference. They were all, they were just kept going right on through. And uh, so they did not have, so, uh, so by man's definition, they should have met difficulties because of this, but with, because of the sovereign God, they did not. You know, this passage overall is, is, a, is bringing comfort to the people of Israel. He says, fear not three different times in this passage. We have no reason to fear. God is in complete and utter control. As a famous line by, by R.C. Sproul goes, if there is one maverick molecule in all the universe, then God is not sovereign. And if God is not sovereign, He is not God. We have nothing to fear because God is sovereign. At, at the time that this is being written, you know, again, they were in this grip of Babylon. And, uh, but it had no problem... But even so, even with that, even though it looked like helplessness, God was their helper. And, uh, you know, so he goes on, you know, so regardless, 
you know, we see here is that in verse 4, he says, Who has performed and done this, calling generations from the beginning, I, Yahweh, the first, and with the last, I am He. Boy, that is such a powerful verse. If you think about it, you know, it's God is saying, you know what? I was here way before you. I'll be here way after you. And, uh, you know, so who are you to, you know, to think, to fear uh, any man? You know, and it was, you know, he was here in eternity past, and he'll be here in eternity future, you know. But for many of us, you know, it's, it's kind of like we talk about the Trinity, how, um, you know, how, how hard it is to wrap our mind around the Trinity. Uh, you know, we have, you know, it's, they're all God, but they're, they're, you know, and so it's, uh, but three, three separate, but they're also all the same God, you know, and so it's hard, hard for us to, to wrap our mind around God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's also hard for us to, in our finite minds, to grasp probably more than eternity future is eternity past. Knowing that God has always been here and He always had this plan, and so that and now that He is initiating uh, that plan, and you know, so regardless of what happens, God is going to be there uh, because He was there at the beginning; He'll be there at the end. And God always, you know, God in verse uh, seven, He says, you know the the, the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the, with a hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good, and they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. And what he is uh, trying to say there is that you know, God doesn't always use us to accomplish His will in our lives. This passage, these few verses here, you know, they kind of make reference to the fact, you know what? The ungodly help the ungodly to accomplish goals. How much more should the godly help the godly to accomplish their goals? And this is what, he's talking, what he is mentioning him with the craftsmen. They're strengthening uh, each other. You know, and, and so, you know, I remember someone once, you know, telling us, that, uh, you know, during, you know, the lane years that we all go through, uh, you know, as families, you know, at some point in our lives, you know, and, you know, I, I had made reference to the fact, you know, that, you know, I had, uh, we had this bill you know, that we had to pay, and I didn't make no mention, that I didn't ask anybody to pay for it or anything, I just made mention of it in, in general conversation, next thing I know, he's writing me, this guy's writing me a check for it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I didn't ask you for this, I can't take this, and, and, and he says, you know, don't let pride come in the way of someone, of not allowing someone to receive a blessing by not Blessing you, and that changed my outlook on a lot of things. About when, when he told me that, and um, but yeah, so 
it doesn't always come from within. Our pride says we're not going to tell anybody anything. We keep it to ourselves, and you know I'll figure something out to to, to get out of this problem. And then God uses somebody else to do it, which also should humble us. You know, God uses you know He's God uses us as as He so chooses. We are just along for the ride. And that is, uh, you know, and our duty is just be faithful and thankful that God is using us to accomplish His will regardless of how it turns out for us. You know, back in, over in Hebrews uh, 13, 5 and 6, keep your life free from the love of money, and be with content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? There is no reason for us to fear man. Jim Elliott, who probably a famous missionary, the Ecuador back in the 1950s, who was uh, him and some other missionaries, ended up being killed by a tribe uh, in Ecuador, uh, thanks, to, I think, to mostly some miscommunication between the missionaries and and the tribe. But he he had this quote. He says, "He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose." And you know, we can't, you know, given our life here on this earth, we can't live forever, but if we, so if we give it, and then we're going to keep what we cannot lose, which is eternal life through the Son. And so just in verses, excuse me, verses 8 through 9, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from this father's corner, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Just as Israel was chosen as the nation, as a nation, so are we chosen as God's children. And that promise can apply to us because He is our helper. You know, that in verse 10 it says, uh, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Israel need not fear God's destructiveness. You know, they could see what was happening they could see the destruction that was coming. They, they heard, you know, about this great Persian army that's coming through. But God was telling him, you do not need to worry about this because about what the, what the nations have to worry about because you are God's, uh, because their God, He is their God, and He is faithful, and He is going to keep His promises to restore the nation. 
And it's not because of anything that they did. Um, behold, all, verse 11, Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, for I Yahweh your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps. And this reminds us of, of course, one probably one of the most famous passages on all of uh, uh, Scripture, which is uh, Psalm 23. Job 23. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the side of still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I shall walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, and so we have, we have not even death. To fear, that's what's one of the encouraging things about, of, of course, is uh, Psalm 23. He's, he is our shepherd, he is our protector, and he will do that. It may not all be in our timing, but he will be there for us. Uh, you know, we, we talk about, talk about uh, fear, and what exactly does that mean? It means... In Proverbs 1.7, it is probably the, the verse that sir, kind of sums up the whole book of Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, while Unbelievers may make statements about life and truth. He does not have the true and ultimate knowledge until he is in a redemptive relationship with the irreverential awe of God. And that is revealed to us. I've known too many people who have said they've read through the Bible and nothing happened to them. And, uh, but it is God who moves us. And, uh, you know, but it is, and so, the, so we really truly can't understand wisdom until that's the starting point is 
the fear of God, to be in reverential awe. But even so, we as believers may sometimes forget that. Uh, we see a couple of examples in the uh, New Testament. Um, in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? What remained unsold, did it not remain, remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not of your, at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And then we know what happens next. Uh, Ananias' wife, Sapphira, comes in and she says, she confirms what her husband said and she ends up dying um, as well. You know, it wasn't the fact that, that Ananias had kept back some of the money. It had to do with the fact that maybe he had either A, that he had publicly proclaimed, I'm going to sell this piece of land and give it all to the church. Or he may have uh, promised God that he would give all the money to uh, the church and uh, decide to hold some of it back. And that was the great sin. He was not holding God. He, he had lied to the Holy Spirit. And, that's, and so he had, that's where it uh, that's where his problem lay. He had not been in reverential awe of God. Uh, we see another example in First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, and uh, with the Lord's Supper, beginning in verse twenty-seven. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of, blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and as, so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But, but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined that we may not be condemned along with the, along with the world. These, some of these Corinthians were not approaching the table in reverential awe of who God was. And because of it, they... They paid the price, some even up until uh, death. Going back to Isaiah 41. In verse, uh, you notice in verse 14, excuse me. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I'm the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One. Of Israel, what a contrast that is uh, from uh, verse an earlier verse where he says, you know, that he he verse excuse me verse eight. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen. So he's so in verse eight we see one side of it where Jacob is chosen, and then in verse uh, fourteen he is said. You know, he calls him a worm. That's, you know, and why is that? Well, 
One thing is, is that Israel had done nothing. They were chosen, but they had done nothing in and of themselves to deserve this being free from Babylon. But it was by God's grace and through God honoring His promises that He was doing this. And also that they would a worm, they would have looked as a worm to other nations as well. And uh, so uh, we see the contrast, that the great contrast of being chosen and of being the worm. And it was because of who God was, not because Israel was, for why he was doing this. In verse 17, he says, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. You know, God answers prayers, our prayers, if we're in His will, the answer will be yes, if we're not in His will, the answer will be no, but God answers prayers, and we may be in an uncomfortable state when He does, but He will, because He promised us He he will, and because He is our helper. In verse 20, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. And so, that the present, in their present state, the people were helpless. They saw, they, they were hopeless. They saw no help coming. They saw no hope. But they cried out to God, and those cries for helps were not in vain. Our cries to God, regardless of our situation, are not in vain. You know, it's when it comes to application, it's always you hear you know you hear the phrase, "Well, that's easier said than done." And there's a lot, you know, and. That's very true for us as believers as well. You know, we we see the we see the problems surrounding us and we don't see any hope. But you know, several years ago I used to play golf and I ended up finding myself in the woods more than the fairway. And uh if you play golf you know what I'm talking about. But, you know, and so the thing was, you end up in the woods, you're surrounded by trees, but you don't concentrate on trees, you concentrate on the opening that you you won't hit your ball through. And that's what we need to do as well in our lives. Don't look at the problems, look at the God who has promised to help us. So God-fearing people... We have no reason to fear what man may do to us, what man may say about us, or anything else, because we have a God that helps us. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. And Lord, may we always have and be in awe of you, of who you are, Father, for what you have done for us, the grace and the mercy that you have shown us
Father, let us always be a God-fearing people. Father, where we look to you for help. Father, where we don't look amongst into ourselves for solutions. Father, or uh, but Father, Lord, that you will provide for us, Father, in your time, as and you will answer the prayers of the righteous for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon audio from Meridian Church. Please feel free to share this resource with others. We only ask that you do not alter the content in any way. Again, you can find more resources at meridianchurch.com.